Welcome to the RodeoKids.com podcast. I'm your host, Camry Widmer, and with us today is the general manager of Fastback Ropes, Koi Upchurch. Koi, can you start out by just telling us how Fastback Ropes got started and give us a little bit of history on it? Sure. It got started in 1995. Some investors got their got their money together and hired some guys that had been in the rope business locally, and and that's how it started. Started out just right outside Granbury, Texas. But uh, first, I want to say thank you for having me. It's it's good to be with you. Oh, for sure. We're glad to have you too. What all kinds of ropes do you make at Fastback? We make primarily team roping ropes, calf ropes. The breakaways big, so we're doing a lot of that, and then uh, lines of kid ropes. So, but okay. primarily team roping ropes, nylon, and then nylons with poly blends. So, what is the big difference between team roping ropes and calf roping ropes? Team roping ropes will stretch a little bit more, and the the heading ropes are 31 foot long. The heel ropes are. 35, and then the calf ropes are 29 long. They have less stretch, and uh, just so the the calf roper can can handle their the calf easier when the, after they make their catch, it's just a little bit easier for them to uh, maintain control over their run. So, are they made out of the same same products? I mean, are they both made out of nylon or? Are there different materials that go into those ropes? The team roping ropes, some are 100% nylon, some are um, poly in them. Our poly lines start around 7% and go up to 20% on the on the different team roping ropes. The, the calf ropes are 100% polyester. And then our breakaway ropes, it's close to 50-50 nylon versus polyester. Do you guys make any grass ropes? What does that mean when you have a, a grass calf rope? Yeah, grass rope, it's it's just a natural made hemp, you know, hemp grass rope. Okay. And we do not do that. Our ropes are uh, all man made materials. So oh, we okay. don't we don't do any of the any of the grass ropes. Those were primarily for for calf roping. I've always wondered, like, okay, what makes it a grass rope? I didn't realize that they were made out of hemp, which it makes sense. How long do you think it'll be until they're making ropes out of bamboo? Actually, we have tried that, and it wasn't it wasn't strong enough for what we were trying to do. So okay. we we've actually tried to make ropes out of bamboo. I wondered. I know that they're making cinches and halters and all kinds of things and calling it pretty durable so i just wondered if if ropes were next on the docket or not it's a very durable material but the samples that we got we weren't able to run it on our machines so i think it's something that we're continue, we're, we're still looking at and we we've tested many different types of, of strength material or different materials but the way our machines are set up and the samples that we got, it just it didn't work. Mm-hmm. But I think it, at some point somebody will will do it. It may be us or maybe somebody before us, but it yeah. is something that we've looked into. What are some things that people need to look into when they're buying a rope for the first time? 
You know, depending on just your arm strength or your size, you want a rope that is not too heavy. If if you err on either side, it's better for the rope to be a little lighter than, than too heavy, especially for kids. Mm-hmm. You usually start roping when you're younger, but even for, for adults, what you don't want, I don't, I don't think, is for the rope to be way too heavy. I agree. We have some kids that come over and rope here at the house, and you know, they're getting to be pretty handy, but if you give them a rope that's too heavy, they're going to wear out and start creating bad habits faster than what they would with a softer rope or a lighter rope that they can swing longer and swing more and not have to use as much strength to get it going. Absolutely agree. Yeah. yeah. How many people does it take to make a rope? There's the rope maker, and then there's a waxer, and a lot of times they'll have someone help them with their knot, so that's up to three people. And then we've got the crown knot tire, that's four. The guy that ties the eyes would be five. Uh, there's a guy that will tie the back knots. And then there's a, a gentleman that will roll the rope. So that's, we're up to seven there. Oh, wow. And, and then the, the guy that ships the rope. And if you include the lady that took the order, so you're looking at nine to ten people that right. uh, touch that rope in, in some way. Or, or the other. Yes, and tying proper knots is not easy. So you really want somebody who is a good knot tire to be doing that. <laughs> <laughs> it's a lot more physical than people realize. Yes, I had a bunch of hackamores that were made wrong. Um, the nose bands were, and so I took it upon myself to fix the nose band. I actually ordered a bunch of of rope bodies from you guys last week, and I got them in. And now we have hackamores and combination bits with colored nose bands. So that's kind of cool, but I took it upon myself to learn how to tie the knots, and I have a friend who's a bit maker, and he was showing me the right way to, to, I don't even know what kind of knot it was, but I thought, oh my gosh, this is one of the most confusing things ever. (laughs) And then to get it tight enough and to know how to wax it or, or burn it correctly so that it looks good and it's consistent rope after rope after rope, I mean, that takes a lot of practice, and it's an important part of the quality of the rope, I'm sure. Absolutely. You know, some a lot of people will say, what's the most important thing in the rope making process? And, you know, I've been doing this for going on 16 years, and if it doesn't matter how good the rope maker is if the guy rolling it doesn't roll it good or it doesn't matter how good the guy rolls it if it wasn't made properly or waxed properly or the knots weren't done right. So it, every little step is so important that um, – yeah, it's it's all the little things that, that make the quality of the rope yeah. what, what we want. Yeah. So when I was making these nose bands, for instance, and any time you get a new rope, you know, it does have all that wax on it. What is the purpose of that wax? The wax lubricates the rope, protects it. Uh, when they come off the rope machines, they're really stiff, really hard, and you can drag them, you can drag the rope or brush the rope against concrete and it'll fuzz it up it's it's pretty susceptible to to scratches and cutting but that the waxing gives it outer coating to protect it and also lubricates the inside makes it a lot more pliable gives it a lot of life a lot of uh, longevity and and consequently it's so is there a certain like how do you make sure that that wax is on there evenly throughout the entire rope yeah we've got we have on our wax troughs, we have three different thermometers, and then our waxers have 
thermometer guns, like laser guns uh-huh. that they can point at the wax and and uh, just double check their uh, their thermometers because sometimes those thermometers go out. But we try and keep the wax at an even temperature the whole length of the the wax trough. So hey, that's a very good question, and our, our guys. They're constantly checking the temperature of the wax pots on either end and the middle. So do those ropes get dipped or do they get brushed or how does that wax get applied? They're dipped in the wax for a certain amount of time. You know, the the stiffer, thicker ropes will be waxed a little longer and then the the kid ropes may be waxed a little shorter, but they're waxed around this ballpark around 300 degrees for around oh, wow. 10 minutes. Is kind of just kind of a rule of thumb. Put multiple ropes in this wax machine at, at one time, or is it a one time at a deal? One time. At- we wax. Yeah, we wax twenty at a time. How many 20 ropes? ropes at a time. Yeah. How many ropes do you guys put out a day? It varies from from day to day, and then the season. What season it is? Is, is it kind of the slower time, or or do we ramp up? I mean, these guys. Most all of them are piecework, so we really like the the roping season. You know, we, oh, yeah. these guys they can we can all make a little more money when it's uh, you know it's like you the old saying you got to make hay while the sun shines. Mm-hmm. That's kind of how the team roping business is. So it varies from mm-hmm. from month to month. Do you see yourself getting better as more youth events are happening? And and at least where I'm from in Iowa there are becoming more and more opportunities throughout the winter um, than what there used to be. I mean, up here, it used to shut down from, you know, after Thanksgiving until the first of spring. I mean, nobody rode, nobody practiced, there were no events to go to. And, and now there's barrel races and there's a handful of team ropings. And, and maybe I'm just getting older, so I'm, I notice it more. But so many people are going to Arizona these days. Are you seeing that across the board, or is it still pretty similar to what it's always been? No, that that's really helped. Years ago, uh, you know, Texas guys roped through the winter, and in Arizona and Southern California, for sure, New Mexico, they roped through the winter, Southern states. But now it's it's even more so. You know, you've got people from Australia coming up, from South America, mm-hmm. Canada. A lot of Canadians and and the northern states are going to Arizona and Texas to rope. And then even up where you guys live, there's more indoor barns. There's yeah. more covered little covered arenas. So that that's a big help to people that can't afford to go to the southern states to rope in the winter. Is you guys have little covered pins up there, so that's that's a big help. But yeah, most definitely, you know, we used to really slow down in the winter, where now we're still able to, you know, we still sell a lot of ropes during the winter months, just because there is so much roping and going on still in the winter. Yeah, it seems like team roping just gets, you know, with all these World Series ropings and all these opportunities. I mean, they're just blowing up everywhere for kids, for adults. For everybody, there's places to go all the time. It, yeah, for we, sure. We built an indoor arena in 2008 up here in Iowa, and it, when we built it, we were about the only ones within, I don't know, at least a 100-mile radius, it seemed like. I mean, hardly anybody had an indoor arena up here. And since then, in the last 10, 15 years, they've really started to pop up more and more. 
we're we're really fortunate. Um, the Amish have are very popular in this area and populated, and so they build a lot of these um, stick buildings or post frame buildings that are more reasonable than the big huge ones. So we've definitely seen an increase in the number of places to go because of that. That's super. Yeah. So you were talking about the seasons. How? I, I mean, I know it makes a big difference what kind of rope you're using when and how do you know when to switch and you know they say that the ropes are made different for different seasons how do you know all that stuff well kind of the rule of thumb on on fastbacks has always been that uh in the in the summer months you would want a rope with a little more or some poly some polyester in it in the winter months you would want a rope that was just all nylon but you know anymore like the cobalt and the Excaliburs, those are both poly blends, and so many guys are just using them year-round. They may go up a lay if it's really cold, or uh, like in the winter months, if, if a guy's been using a, a soft during the winter and, and then it starts getting hot, he may go down to an extra soft. But when we were able to, the patent was up on the core and we could put a core in our ropes, that helped our ropes maintain their body and their lay, so that really helped. But you know, our, our two best sellers now are the Cobalt and the Excalibur, and, and we haven't seen a decrease in sales through the winter. Those, those ropes are so great, and, and they're poly blend. If you're looking for an all-around rope, that's the way to go is the poly blend. I think so. Yeah, with fastback, I, you know, the, I think the best rope we have right now, is, which they do feel a little different, but uh, just you know, going off of our sales and and what we use here, the the cobalt or the Excalibur, either one is is a good choice. For mm-hmm. younger kids, they may want to go with the Venom. It's a little smaller, a little lighter, but. Um, yeah, right now the Excalibur and uh, the, the Cobalt's the number one seller with the Excalibur right behind it. What happens to a rope when it gets cold? A lot of times they'll they'll have a little more body, and um, some people say that they get a tick stiffer. But when it's uh, hot or when it's cold? When it's cold, okay. you know, it's like a, a garden hose. If you pick a garden hose yeah. up in the middle of winter, it'll be more round, and then you pick that same garden hose up in the summer. Yeah. It'll kind of hang off your hand a little more. Well, the rope is pretty much the same. And so much of it has to do with the humidity. Are you in direct sunlight? Um, one winter, a guy called me from Ohio and said he thought this was prior to the, the core ropes coming out, but he thought that the Ultimate Four it was really cold in, a, in uh, Ohio, and he thought the Ultimate Four was the best cold cold weather rope. Well, Later that summer, it was like 110 in Bakersfield, California, and a guy called me and said, hey, I think the Ultimate Four is the best summer rope. So, you know, it's it's kind of a lot of it depends on where you are, the humidity, mm-hmm. you know, and personal preference. You can ask 10 people a question about a rope, you may get 10 different answers. So, yeah. You know, the guy in Ohio in the winter said that was the best winter rope, the Ultimate Four. And then in the summer, another guy in Bakersfield, California, said the Ultimate Four is the best summer rope. So. Yeah. From my personal experience, I'm from Iowa, but I lived in Colorado recently. And, and the difference in the humidity, I just I feel like my rope lasts longer when there's not as much humidity. 
and it, it you could just tell a big difference in how they felt. Yeah, they feel better in the drier climates, mm-hmm. and I think it's everybody's rope, really. I mean, I- any shop, I think, because I we, we swing all the different, you know, we buy ropes from all the different shops. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I think ropes feel better in, in the drier climate, and they don't seem to pick up as much dirt and sand when you're using them. If it's, if it's really dry and not as yeah. humid and damp. Mm-hmm. They pick up less sand and dirt, so they just feel better longer. But, you know, you, you know humid or not, sometimes you, you get to rope, so you want to rope no matter what. But Exactly. When you're in those climates where it gets wet or it's damp or, they, you know, some of that sand is just super wet and it cakes on your rope and it makes it heavy, or you go to a rodeo and it rained and you don't have a choice but to rope in the mud, can you still use those ropes after that? Absolutely. Yeah. You know, I've even taken a water hose and just washed them off mm-hmm. and then lay, have them in larger coils, lay them in the floor of the barn or or uh, somewhere where it's kind of a constant temperature. It's not too hot, not too cold. Mm-hmm. And just give it a couple of days to dry out, put a little baby powder on it, and it, it's good. I mean, it, may not feel as good as it did right out of the twisties, mm-hmm. but you haven't lost the rope. You can still use it. You can still compete with it. Or even, if nothing else, you can still practice with it. Right. So, yeah. So there's hope. You don't just have to. You know, you go to some rodeos and it's muddy, and if you stick around after the team roping or after the slack, you can go collect four or five ropes from some of those guys. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. A lot of times you can go wash them off and give them a chance to dry, especially if the burner is really wet you know it's uh it's rawhide so if it gets wet it'll crimp easy and that makes the rope feel more draggy okay you'll get wash all the dirt off and give the rope a a, a, a fair chance to dry out mm-hmm. make sure the burner is dry put a just a little baby powder on it a lot of times those those ropes are very usable okay that's good to know so as you're talking about baby powder, so calf ropers, you know, they got baby powder everywhere. It's on their horse's butts, it's on their hat, it's in the back of their saddle. I mean, <laughs> we have baby powder going everywhere. And team ropers, you don't see that very often. So why are why do we use baby powder on calf ropes but not team ropes hardly ever? Yeah, um, you know, I really, I can't speak to the, uh, to the calf ropers, but... Um, a, a lot of team ropers will use a little baby powder. I think sometimes the the calf ropers they use the baby powder also on the on the picking string, mm-hmm. maybe. So uh, that's that's two things they're they're powdering there. Where a, a team roper just has his rope, and um, uh, most calf ropers, you know, they don't wear a glove. Where most all team ropers do, mm-hmm. so that will help your rope feed as well so there may not that may be a reason why you won't see as much baby powder on a team open rope okay we, we wear gloves that yep. makes sense yeah i yeah. i mean i'm a i'm a breakaway roper i'm a team roper i've done it all but that's one thing that i never actually knew the answer to and now that you say that you know it makes sense as a, a goat tire i was a big time goat tire in high school and college and I would put beeswax on my goat string, and I'd get it all warmed up, and then I'd use just enough baby powder to where it would still slide and that my hands could still slide on that string right before I went in. So that does make sense, you know, the no glove versus the glove. Sure. Why do team ropes go in a rope bag and calf ropes go in a rope can? 
Oh, gosh. I, you know, I knew you were going to ask that. And maybe <laughs> years ago when people used grass ropes, they were so – grass ropes are so hard to maintain the lay, lay being the stiffness. Uh-huh. So sometimes you would put a potato or a wet rag in the can. Sometimes you would lay the rope on the – you'd open the hood of your truck. Uh-huh. You lay that that grass rope on the motor, and that's picking them up, letting them down. And I think that can help hold the moisture in, and you know, or or kept the humidity out. Mm-hmm. Whereas a rope bag is more breathable. Okay. And I I think that that may be the reason why calf ropers use cans and team ropers just put them in a bag because. Uh, a team roping rope doesn't change lays as much as a grass rope. They're mm-hmm. they're nylon poly blends, mm-hmm. and those ropes don't change lays and stiffnesses like a grass rope. Do team ropes have more wax on them than a calf rope too, which would help hold in the amount of moisture that's needed? Most definitely, yeah. Uh, a lot of the polys that people are using now to rope calves, they, they are waxed, but mm-hmm. the grass ropes, they were treated with a chemical solution, but it wasn't it wasn't a microfiber wax like we use now. So, yeah, maybe. So we're not 100% sure on that, but we've got some theories at least. <laughs> that's right. If you've got somebody who's riding a pony, you know, a kid that's just getting started, ponies are shorter, and, you know, typically you're going to heel on a pony. A heel rope's usually 35 foot long. Do you think that it's better to have a 31 foot or a 32, depending on which company you're buying from, and use a head rope on a pony or stick to your longer rope? Well, I think for younger kids, it is safer to use a shorter rope because there's less to get tangled up with. Mm-hmm. My daughter was going to heel on a pony. I would, uh, I would have no problem with her using a uh, 31 foot soft or or medium soft head rope. I think that would be a good idea because there again, it's shorter and there's there's less to get tangled up. Yeah, and a kid's palm is only so big to be able to hold the reins and the coil at the same time. That's uh, asking him to do a lot sometimes. Yeah. Is there ever a time that people cut a head rope or a heel rope? Heel ropes, yes. People that tie on will uh, get their loop and then a coil or sometimes no coil, and then they'll braid back about four foot and tie that on to the saddle horn like a calf roper. Mm-hmm. Heading ropes, you don't, you, you dally on, on the head rope. Right. So you won't tie on with the head rope. But healers, uh, older gentlemen, will most definitely uh, cut their heel ropes. And, you know, we encourage them a lot of times they want to buy a head rope to heel with, and that's fine, but... You know, the truth is the head rope's a little smaller. It doesn't have the diameter, the the material. Mm -hmm. So to get the most for your money, it's better to go ahead and spend a few extra dollars, buy a heel rope, because just the integrity of the rope lasts so much longer. The size is bigger, and it'll it'll maintain its lay better if it, you know, you've just got a little more material there. Mm Mm-hmm. That makes sense. Does cutting that off and braiding it back, does that does that damage it at all or, or lose some body or anything along those lines, or does that not really affect it as long as you have the coil or coil and a half that you need? 
Yeah, the, the way these guys are, they'll tape them off and then cut them and braid them back. So it really does not, it doesn't change the feel of the rope. You know, I mean, the um, not having the other two coils or three coils in some cases and, and, uh, and your tail feels much more different than the rope does, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So if I'm a parent and I'm from the city, let's say, um, not saying that that's always going to happen, but my kid has decided that he wants to become a roper um, or she, and I'm going to walk in and they want to start roping the head dummy. What a, what would you recommend for them to look for? Sure. Depending on their arm strength, their size, you know, you may want to go ahead and get them a double extra soft head rope, mm-hmm. or if they're they're a little younger, uh, you want to go ahead and get uh, their kid ropes in different sizes. Like we make them 18 foot, quarter inch, up to 31 foot, and 5 sixteenths inch. So, you know, if it's if they're a little too small to handle a, a head rope, you could get them a bigger kid rope. Or say they're four or five years old, you'd want to get them a quarter inch by 18 foot. That way there's the diameter of the rope is smaller, it fits mm-hmm. in their hand better, and there's less that they have to mess with in their left hand, less coils and tail in their mm-hmm. left hand. Okay, so when we we used to have family rodeos here and we'd have dummy ropings and, and just around, you hear big loop, big money. Is that accurate for kids? Well, um, I think... I think the the one thing you th- that you would want to do with a, a kid is get them with someone that knows about roping, uh, knows about horses, and and get their loop size to to fit the situation. If you know if you're trying to rope really small, fresh, thin, uh, fast running steers, you know you, you may want your loop size down a little bit. Where mm-hmm. if you're roping bigger, slower cattle that are their feet are really wide apart, uh, you naturally need a bigger loop. Uh, mm-hmm. Say the horns are real small, you know, they're barely out of the wrap, you kind of need a, a smaller loop where if, you know, you go to a high school rodeo and the, the steer's horns can barely fit through the shoe, right. they're so big, you're going to need a bigger a bigger loop. I think it, it kind of depends on the situation. Okay. As to, as to the loop size. One thing that I have learned from riding lots of different horses and watching and working with different people is that the stride of a horse can really make a difference on how well you rope. Um, I mean, you can, like if I'm on a long strided horse, it's really hard for me to consistently catch versus riding a shorter strided horse. What it, What are your thoughts on that? Well, you know, I'm primarily a rope maker, not... Right. <laughs> You know, I've roped for for years, but um, I, I feel I feel more comfortable talking about ropes than I do like horses and, right. and things going on during the run. But I will say that uh, I think there's you can have extremes either way. If one's really too long strided mm-hmm. or way too short strided, that I, I completely agree with you. It, it does make it different difficult if if they're too far to the extreme. But I think some guys get along. A little bit better with faster strided horses but day in and day out i think it is it's easier to rope on a horse that you know i think if you're going to err on the side of caution i'd rather one be a little longer strided than faster strided that's just me personally and i and i'm just you know I'm right. just a weekend roper it yeah the margin of error i think is a little it's a little easier on a, a horse that maybe have a little longer strided but if it 
they're a little I more forgiving, I think. If it's too long, it is hard to. Yeah, I think yeah. a longer, I mean, like you said, there's a happy medium. You know, a, a really short-strided horse is going to be quick, and it's going to be easy for him to short, yes. Um, a really yeah. long-strided horse, it's going to be easy for him to not rate off as much as they need to. Um, right, I and then your, your your loop does tend to get maybe too long and slow with a really long-strided horse, but, yeah. but there is a happy medium. Right, and I think, too, when, when kids are getting started, you don't want them on a horse that's got a super long neck because it's hard for them because they don't have the – I mean, I'm five foot two, and even for me to see around some a really high-headed, long-necked horse or even just a level <laughs> long-necked horse is really difficult for me to be able to swing and not whack them in the ears. And, um, sure. You know, and I've ridden horses my whole life, but – I think when, when parents are looking for that horse for those kids to start on, it's important to take into consideration their size and their stride and find that happy medium that your kid can still swing it, their rope confidently and comfortably without whacking them in the ears and without having to lean over to the side to see whatever it is that they're roping. Yeah, I agree. What recommendations do you have for kids who are coming up through the ranks? You know, they've been going to the dummy ropings. You know, they started there, and, and they're working their way up through the youth rodeos, junior rodeos, high school, and, and on up to pro rodeos. What are some some roping or just general tips that you have for those kids and the parents? You know, when I was growing up, it was hard to get information. We had We had books, a few videos, and then the video deal kind of broke through and everybody had a video and now you can these kids can pull it up on their phone and get so many different lessons or tips or advice but I would uh, I would just uh, do their research and try and find watch ropers that have maybe similar body type Mm -hmm. or styles you know that that the kids can kind of match their practice up with and and I would encourage them to videotape themselves roping the dummy, their practices. I would video that. Just try and pick. You know, it's it may be hard to, to copy someone exactly, but if you can take several people that, that have styles similar to you or or that you, you have interest in and then take a few things from several different people and kinda get kinda get your own style if that makes sense. Yeah, I completely agree. You know, I think if you're built like Shane Hanchi, you probably don't want to learn everything from Cody Ole. Not that you can't Exactly. Not that you can't pick up some pointers here and there, but you might, you know, go more towards Shane Hanchi's videos and watch a Cody Ole one every now and then to see what you can pick up here and there. Um and I always tell kids that have ever come to my clinics, like, I want you to go to multiple clinics because the way that I'm built and the way that I move is going to be different than you. I mean, learn what you can, try everything at least once, and you will make your own style over time. Exactly. I agree. What about for parents? What's your advice to parents? Uh, just to maybe, you know, be very encouraging and um, maybe let the kid progress at their own speed, keep it fun, uh, keep it safe. You know, if, if your kid's just beginning, they don't necessarily need the best, fastest horse you can find. They need something they're comfortable with and that, that they can control and start start small. You know, look, try and just improve a little bit every day. They're not going to go from a beginner to a six-header overnight it right. just takes time let them 
enjoy the process, enjoy learning, you know, take kind of take it easy on them. And, and uh, I would encourage the videos, you know, look at watching trying videos, watching Caesar De La Cruz videos and, and try and get them in a school when those guys are close. You know, get them, get them around kids that wrote better, adults that wrote better. That's, that's when you'll see the biggest improvement is when you, you put them with kids or adults that are better than they are. That's when, that's when your child will, they'll improve the most. Yeah, I think especially if you can get them into a situation um, where they can watch other kids their age, like you said, that are maybe a little bit more advanced than them, maybe a, a smidge older, because there's nothing like pressure from your peers. You know, you, you want to work to be as good as them and grow with them and, and have fun with them. And I've seen it in my Pony Pro program. Um, I own another company called the Performance Pony Company. And sponsor kids across the country of all different levels I mean, some of them are are just getting started they have to attend a minimum of at least 20 events so they're going out there and they're competing but some of them are still trotting around the barrels whereas others are trying to run 19 second poles but they're the same age just different situations and you know they kind of they aspire to get better when they see kids their age oh well they can do it so you know if I keep working at it I can too Sure, and, uh, I agree 100%. And that's super fun. That's one thing at rodeokids.com that we're really trying to do is to have these kids take videos and give suggestions and talk about the drills that they do um, as pony pros so that other kids can come and watch it and see, oh, that's not just a world champion who does that drill. There's a, a 10-year-old kid down the road who does that. <laughs> sure, yeah. yeah. It's super fun. So what opportunities does Fastback have for the youth? Uh, well, we, we sponsor dummy ropings. We, we have uh, our pros, endorsees that do schools, and we, you know, a lot of times we'll contribute to those prize packages or gifts for them. Um, you know, we've got a certain, you know, when a lot of these kids get to a certain level, uh, we will sponsor them to a point, and mm-hmm. uh, they'll get a break on their on their products. And that for that, they are they've reached that level. They should be pushing our products to their friends, kids they rope with or against, or uh, you know, working with their local feed stores or tax stores going in. You know, asking uh, you know what what they could do to help push our products at those stores. That's you know that's all about the the sponsorship. It's you know they 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 may get a little break on their products, but you know, it comes at a cost. They they've got mm-hmm. to talk to kids about our products and and try and help out at the storefront. That's that's the whole point of a sponsorship program, whether it's team roping or. Uh, you know, uh, these guys that you see on Nike ads during the, the Super Bowl. It's all about uh, the sponsorship, endorsee relationship. And, yes, it's a two-way you know, street. We help them, but they, they're supposed to help us all, too. So. Yes, I think that's so true. And we have an article on RodeoKids.com about that, you know, it being a two-way street. And you see these guys out there with all these patches on their shirts. And it's not just because they're good. It's because when they're driving up and down the road, they're making phone calls, you know, they're they're pushing your products at clinics, you know, when when people see them and what they've done, then they've worked to a point where 
they deserve that and they continue working on it every day. They didn't just get good and people started handing them stuff left and right. They expect right. something in return. Sure, exactly. Yeah, and I think that's one thing that is often overlooked and, and maybe not quite explained enough is how much of a two-way street these sponsorships are and that they're not just right. they're not just free patches that people didn't work for. <laughs> right. At, at, here at FastDAC, we actually have a letter that goes out. You know, there's a, um, there's a lady here that heads up that program, and she visits with people about it on the phone, but there's mm-hmm. also a letter they get saying, hey, this is, this is kind of the deal. It's a two-way street. It's yep. a relationship. We're not just hooking you up. It's, it's more than that. Yeah. You know, so. We created a calendar um, for RodeoKids.com that um, I've got a few endorsements on Rodeo Kids and then a hand 50 of them on the Performance Pony Company. And, and the calendar starts with, you know, sharing stuff on social media, pushing the products, giving somebody a catalog, you know, the physical things, the advertising, all of that kind of stuff it is the first 10 things. Um, and then after that, it's just how they represent themselves. You know, like, did you clean up the manure at your trailer? Did you pick up the trash? Did you volunteer (laughs) to set a barrel? Because we see those things, and people every now and then do call in and say, hey, like, you know, we saw your Pony Pro here. They did a great job. And it doesn't happen all the time, but people are always watching. And being a good human being and keeping a clean social media, you know, flow is, is very important because these sponsors do look at that before they agree to bring you on board. Absolutely, 100%. I couldn't agree more. That's one of the first things we do is look at their social media stuff. And we, you know, a lot of times we'll make calls to people that are in the area, their references to find out. And, uh, yeah, I couldn't agree more. Yeah, and I think, you know, for kids, parents have to realize that it's a big, for them too, it's a big responsibility for them to keep up on this stuff as well because they're usually the, the source of information in the middle. All right, what's your favorite quote? I think my, uh, well, my, um, like, Bible verse, would have, a, I know you probably a get a lot, John 3.16. Yep. Yeah, that's my, that's my uh, I guess that's my, my favorite quote, uh, favorite Bible verse. Um, as far as my favorite quote, like, for team roping, uh, you know, it's, a lot of people have heard this story, but uh, Clay O'Brien Cooper and his his partner were back at a, uh, a big team roping, and the guy says, "You know what do you what do you think or whatever?" And he says, "Hey, two horns and two feet. Everybody wants to go fast and practice going as fast as they can, but at the end of the day, you you have to catch the steer, you know." And mm-hmm. that's these guys that watch Jade and Junior and uh, Clay trying and all the you know. Jake Barnes, all these good guys, Speed Williams, they, these guys can rope fast, and that's that's how they make their living. But day in and day out in the practice pen, I'm I'm pretty sure a lot of the time they're working on basic fundamentals, you know, catching the steer, keeping their horse in a good position, and uh, yeah, it it boils down to two horns and two feet. So that's right, it sure does, and. You know, a lot of those, if you're jackpotting, that's what's going to win. You know, it doesn't matter if you're even longer. As long as you catch two (laughs) horns and two feet consistently, four or five, three runs in a row, you're usually going to get in the money. You're going to win something usually, uh, especially weekend ropers. uh, You know, a lot of times it it turns into who can do it the fastest, but so many times if you just go make – a good controlled run, you you know, four times in a row, you are going you're going to get paid something. Yes, 
consistency kills and smooth as fast. Exactly, for sure. When I used to tie goats all the time, that was something that I always had to tell myself because I got to where I'd be rushing through stuff and make mistakes. And if I just told myself before I went in, just be smooth, just be smooth, then every time it would work. If I had the, all the other business going on in my head, the, the busyness, then it would never work. But the smooth runs were the fastest runs. Yeah, that's true. Awesome. Do you listen to any podcasts or read any books that you would recommend? Um, I listen to, to podcasts. Uh, yeah, listen to you guys and uh, Team Rope and Journal, and then the articles in Team Rope and Journal is just um, the the amount of information you can get in there from mm-hmm. you know from your equipment, saddles, pads, ropes, boots, to uh, horse positioning, to bloodlines, um, you know maintenance of your equipment, uh, veterinary advice. So uh, yeah, keep up with uh, with that. Yeah. Any books? I've oddly enough, um, I think any any book, any, any advice that's worth anything, you can actually find in the Bible. You know, all these self help books, uh, you can you can find that same information in the Bible. So I love studying the Bible. And then uh, as far as just sports books, um, the Inner Game of Tennis, yep. which they have it in in different mediums. You know, Inner Game of Golf, but it's basically the same material, but that's a really easy to read. Even a younger kid can read that book and understand it, and uh, yeah, that's what I think. Yep, our copy of The Inner Game of Tennis is tattered and torn, but we still read it. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's a good book. It's definitely a popular one. Another one that I really like that's similar to that is Seven Days at the Lengths of Utopia, which is Golf's Sacred Journey, and it's a very enjoyable read. Um, but it, it's a, kind of along the same lines of simplifying things and, and just getting out of your own head and making it fun. Yep. I've read, I haven't read the whole book, but I've read excerpts from it. So, yes. yeah, that's a good book, too. Yep. I love that one. All right. If anybody is looking for fastback information or they want to follow you, where can they find you on social media? Just fastback ropes. Uh, you know, we've got a website. We're on um, Instagram, Facebook, uh, Snapchat, uh, TikTok, all the all the social media spots. And then you can always go to our website, and uh, our catalog's on there. And, and any information you can get on on that site. And your catalog is full of really cool information too. I mean, there's a lot of little little tips about ropes, like the importance of where the twist ties go and, and care things. And, I mean, there's a lot of cool information in that as well. Thank you very much. They they worked really hard putting that together, and I, I, I appreciate you looking looking through it. Oh, yeah, we've shared some of it on RodeoKids.com already. It's good stuff. So um, if somebody were to want to look into being sponsored by Fastback Ropes, if they're ready to make that commitment to push your products and, and be a face for Fastback, where would they go for that? One of the first things they they may want to do is go to the local dealer. We okay. we work really closely with our local dealers on a lot of our sponsorships. See what they have to say. If, is there a is there a program available through them? Would they want? Would that be okay? You know, a lot of times when you sponsor someone, you're they'll buy the ropes from us. So that's taking them out of the local dealer. So, but if if that sponsorship is going to drive more customers to that dealer. A lot of times the dealers are all for it, but they can go to our website, okay. and we have information on there about how to be sponsored. Okay, and they can find their local dealers on there as well if they're not sure. 
who's in their area yeah. if they maybe buy online usually. They can, and then, and then there again, all the all the information about getting sponsored is on our website. So. All right, and we will put that in the footnotes so that everybody can just click on it and find um, the link to the website. And really appreciate all the information. I think it was very insightful. I know I learned a lot of things about ropes that I didn't know. So hopefully our listeners did too. And thank you for your time. Thank you. I appreciate your time, and it was good being on your show. Thank you.